From The Big Sleep by Raymond Chandler You were dead. You were sleeping the big sleep. You were not bothered by things like that. Oil and water were the same as wind and air to you. You just slept the big sleep, not caring about the nastiness of how you died or where you fell. Me, I was part of the nastiness now. This is Gothic. Season 4 of the Gothic Podcast may contain sensitive material not suitable for all listeners. Listener discretion is advised. I don't know how anybody could forget that day. Or choose to forget for that matter. I know I'll never forget that horrible day. Christina always said, You can tell how strong a person truly is by how they deal with their tragedy. It was like any other day. Walking through the city, rain falling down, listening to my music. I was just over at Corey's place, getting a shawarma. And as I'm waiting, Corey's face just goes pale white. I thought he was looking at me. But he was looking past me, back into the city. I couldn't hear anything through my headphones. But I start to feel the impacts to the ground. Didn't know what was going on. Start to pull my headphones down. Then, then I hear the screams filtering in from all over the city. I turn around to look back where Corey's looking. I imagine my face went just about as white as his did. There was more than rain falling down that day. My sister's place is only a few blocks away. She's the only one I can think of at this time. I start running, just running through the wet streets. People screaming, the people laying on the ground, they all just become a blur as I'm running. I don't even get all the way there and I stop. I stop and I turn around and I look back at a face that isn't a blur. I kneeled down next to Christina. I lifted her head up to my chest. And I did what everybody else in the city was doing at that time. I screamed. At first I tried to scream. 
Just a silent cry came out. Nothing. Christina deserved more than this. When it felt like that was gone, I took in another deep breath. And then I did let go. I let go of everything. There was nothing left in this world. Nothing that I cared about. Not as much as I did the only family I still had left. So I let go. And that... I can't explain it. That scream, that force, that cry. I... I'm surprised nobody else heard me screaming. Everything went white around me. And when the darkness did seep back in, the ugliness of the city returned to my vision. I was only there, cradling my sister against me. I looked around. I tried to find somebody. Somebody that could possibly go for help. There was nobody around. And then like, like it had stopped raining while I was screaming. All of a sudden, it started to drip down on me again. Tip tap, tip tap, tip tap. Just, I don't, I don't know what awoke with, within me that day. But I know it's dangerous. I could tell by the carnage around me. The only place that was safe was a small circle around me. And all I can be thankful for in that moment is at least I didn't hurt anybody else. Welcome back, Sojourners, to the third episode of Season 4 of the Gothic Podcast. Uh, tonight is a special night as we wish our beloved cast member, Sharon, a happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Happy birthday happy, to happy you. Happy birthday. Happy, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Wait a minute. This is not the musical episode. Aww. But the musical episode is coming <laughs> this season, Sojourners. Get excited. So, anyway. Of course, we also have uh, Jesse with us this evening. Hello, all. He was eating, so he had to work his way <laughs> to the mic. I thought he was being offended time. at the fact that you're like, happy birthday, Sharon, and also Jesse is here. He had time to eat in the car as he was racing to the studio to... Uh... <laughs> and, of course, our newest cast member, Eric. Heyo. So, when last we left our intrepid rifts, their powers had begun to manifest. We had seen some of the things, finally, that they can do that are extraordinary outside the realm of their mortal Logos lives. We saw as our team was staking out a warehouse belonging to the Ivy Corporation, a 
warehousing and delivery service completely unlike any in the real world. Certainly not like Amazon or Amazon. <laughs> and we found them staking, these, uh, staking out this warehouse, and we found that Cadence, one Cadence Faye Jackson, that's with an X, uh, is able to make her uh, 1990s Bronco here in our Art Deco 1930s ish <laughs> it totally fits city. it totally fits um kind of ghostly fading in and out with the mists we discovered that when they were attacked by these strange people creatures these uh, sunken faced slick skinned motorcyclists that appeared to be maybe dead but still moving around with their glowing red eyes, we discovered that Baz has incredible agility and the ability to do whatever really unlikely and dangerous and foolhardy at any given moment. He makes the smart move every time. <laughs> and we saw Echo build Echo. a device that uh, was supposed to uh, be very good at communications, but eh, eh, maybe it didn't work out so well. Eh. And where we left our rifts as these characters whose mundane lives are being infiltrated by the magical and the uncanny, we had Baz leaping into the room where Ariel Farouche, their PI friend, was watching and about to be perhaps overwhelmed by these two undead motorcyclists and throwing her over his shoulder and running off with her. Gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. And that's where we're going to pick up because there in that last episode, well, we are playing a game here, Sojourners, and Baz's role was one that made him have to have choices. So, let's start off with those choices tonight. Baz, as you crash through the window, you roll into the room where you know that uh, Ariel was staking out the warehouse across the street. You look around quickly to gain your bearings and then just grab her and throw her over your shoulder and run for the uh, stairs that you are, uh, know are just through the door and just around the corner. And as you crash through the door, not even bothering to open it, uh, it, it smashes open, crashing against the wall as you nearly break it off of its hinges with your incredible strength that is now coursing through you. And you have some choices here. You aren't able to arrest your progression. You aren't able to arrest your charge. And in fact, as you go through the door, you go over the railing and down three stories to hit hard on the floor, uh, perhaps injuring both you and Ariel. Or you make the turn and you start careening down the stairs. But as you get Partway down, you realize that in your tunnel vision of getting Ariel to safety, 
that you did not account for the frailty of her far too mortal flesh, and uh, you have quite knocked her out. Or, as you crash through the window and, and do all of this stuff, you find that you have lost something of great importance to you. The coded journal that you keep on you at all times that tells perhaps the secrets of the cult that is in your past. It wouldn't be the gothic podcast without tough choices. Yeah. <laughs> Baz? I'll throw out there, there is the easy choice for you, since Kirsten isn't with us tonight to, uh, <laughs> to record, but you get to choose any of those you like. Right. Uh, so I think in best keeping with the tunnel vision weakness tag uh, that, I, that I tagged to get down to the, <laughs> the nine that I ended up rolling, I think that the first option there is what makes the most sense, uh, that he is just barreling through the door uh, without hesitating and hits that rail. And he, he maybe even is standing a little bit taller than he normally does for some inexplicable reason. And it just catches him low enough that he's pitching right over the edge. And as Baz and Ariel go pitching over the edge of the railing to plunge down three stories, we go outside. The creatures, because that's really all you can think of them as, seeing their eyes glowing in the mist, seeing their cadaverous almost skeletonized bodies covered in a thin veneer of flesh and motorcycle leathers and half-helmet. Two of the four of these creatures had leapt up, climbed up the side of the building, peered in through the broken window, and seeing nothing, leapt back down. The other two, who had ridden in on the backs of the motorcycles that were being used to uh, convoy the van, those have gotten onto those motorcycles and are taking off, flanking the van, and taking off into the night, into the darkness, into the mist. But the two that were left behind, they start looking around and sniffing at the air. Now, Cadence, you are in your Bronco. It is misty itself, ghost-like, as it lurks there, almost not looking like a Bronco anymore. What does it almost look like instead? Well, it originally was black, but I did have to replace part of it, the top on the back, uh, at one point during its life. So as the mist circles around it, it almost appears that it's um, like hollow on the back with the, you know, the straight up and down parts of the, what do you call those things on a car? The straight up and down brackets at each corner of the car. Is there a word um, for that? Fenders? fenders? <laughs> no, well. no, no, no. The fender's the thing that goes horizontally. Never mind. Anyway. <laughs> part of the frame? <laughs> the bed of the truck? The things that hold the roof up the at each corner. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, Medley bits. <laughs> as the mists... Sorry, let me start over. <laughs> As the mist swirls around, the black body of the car seems to sit kind of low towards the road, but the back of it, which I had to replace at some point at the pick and pull with a white topper, 
vanishes itself, uh, you know, disguised into the mist. And um, so the car looks squarer and taller and more hollow than it should. And almost resembles the outline of a lurking old-timey carriage sitting there on the quarter of the road. Cadence, uh, from last time, we had a flashback and we saw you come in and, and saw the Bronco almost vanish into the mist. And you got a really good roll. Uh, you, you managed to rack up excess with a, a three power tag on it. And so what I'm giving you here is Ghostly Car 3 at the moment that okay. you can use as needed. I was going to say, is there a spot to put temporary tags? Do you add it as a power tag? Is it part of the tracking cards? Yeah. Where you've got the first one is clues because there's a little line of things you can click. And so the tracking card is uh, going to be the tag can be um, ghostly car three. And then there's a there's a plus and minus at the bottom of the card that you can choose uh, which you want when you're getting ready to use it as part of your uh, role. And ghostly car three is my new punk band name. There'll be a lot of excellent band names this season. Do I, I need to add that into my list here for the ones that I keep that I'll be using for the visitors to the metal shop. <laughs> um. So for the um, this is a tracking card, right? Mm-hmm. Um. There are uh sections on it. I'm looking at roll twenty listeners that are numbered one, two, three, four, five, six. Right. Uh, go ahead and click up to three. That's a big one. My question with that is starting three or ending three. So like starting into four. No, that's to track generally negative statuses on you. Like if you have gunshot, you know, three. Oh, okay. okay. So what that does is, so if you, got, if you had gunshot three right now, and then you got um, nicked two, uh, you would add two more little clicks there. Above, above three, above but not three. quite up to four yet. Because to get to four, you have to have another status three. Now, if you were just outright shot, and it was gunshot three again, then that would move you up to really badly injured <laughs> four <laughs> or whatever we came up with to tag it as. <laughs> Gut shot four or <laughs> something like that. Okay. All right. So ghostly car three. Um, and in, in, in what, so is uh, a story tag is a, a tag that I could add along with power cards to rolls that I make, right? Uh, now, a story card is uh, just not going to have a, a power attached to it. But there are things that are just there, like a gun or a, or a, uh, all I can think of is like a restaurant menu. I don't know why that would be <laughs> one of the things that you would have as a story tag. Uh, but know. usually those things would be there and then you can use those if I'm, if I understand the rules right. And Sojourners, I do not. <laughs> but, but I believe that if you use that in your move, you would able you'd be able to use that as part of the effect. So if you had a if you found a gun as a story tag, then you'd be able to use you'd be able to shoot somebody with it. Duh. Mm-hmm. I think it also counts as a plus one. It's there for use, right. but it, so it would allow you to shoot something. Whereas if you just said I point my finger at them and go pew pew, <laughs> that's not going to do anything. <laughs> you need the story tag. Okay. So my next question is: since I have ghostly car up to three. Do I get three uses out of it, or no. could I add up to three power on a roll that I was making using that the card? That is adding three to one of your move rolls, if you think it is applicable. For, like, okay. stealth, okay. then if you're, in the, if you're in the car and you're trying to roll a, a sneak around, mm-hmm. 
then it's definitely going to apply. Right. But if you're if you're rolling a I'm going to ram these guys, I'm not sure that you're going to be able to apply that to that. So. Okay. Are there rules about uh, at what point in my turn can I decide to use this? Do I have to pick it before I roll? You'd have to pick it before you roll. Yeah, okay. like with any tag, you need you have to choose before you make the roll. All right. Cool. Okay. So uh, you see these two uh, desiccated beings. In fact, it comes to your mind that that's what you might. What they're called, the desiccated ones, and you you see these two, and they're looking around. They see the motorcyclists um, that left them behind disappearing off into the mist, and they're they're sniffing at the air. What do you do, Cadence? So I came along on this mission to be the getaway driver. I'm the wheels, so I'm going to lay low and continue to be a safe place for my companions to run back to. I need you then to roll a sneak around move. Sweet. Before you make the roll, decide what you want to include as far as tags go in that. I recommend Ghostly Car 3. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then click those in roll 20 and then check the number up at the top right and it should already have everything calculated for you. The desiccated ones. Punk band name. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just a rival band. So this whole um this whole um you you figured it out. This entire season pop. is going to um culminate in a battle of the bands. That's <laughs> Yes. That's that's what they No, Sweet. that's that's not what's happening. Sorry. <laughs> only uh, the desiccated I, ones are really old. Yeah. And I digress. <laughs> They only play music from the 30s. Uh, I love this ghostly car (laughs) aspect. Please roll this. Perfect, perfect. Okay, in that case, I want to use a a crew tag synchronicity by, like, sticking to the plan that we had made together. Okay. So I'm going to trust in my crew that they know to run back to me and use that in my sneak around roll. On the crew tags? That means that synchronicity and shop talk have now been uh, used, which makes them burned. Oh, uh, for gosh, this until you can get burned things back. But okay. that happens during downtime, <laughs> okay. and we haven't had that yet. Okay, so go ahead and mark burned by uh, shop talk and synchronicity on your. Oh, but I can't use synchronicity if I burn it before I roll. Yeah, you can't burn it. Yeah, you got to burn it after. So okay. Uh, all right. I will go ahead and do sneak around. Uh, great success. Everyone that should falls for it, fall for it, falls for it. That's hard wording. They sniff around. They're close to the car. They're close to the Bronco, but they don't seem to see it or notice it at all. This cannot necessarily be said for Echo. Echo, are you trying to lay low or are you willing to be spotted? Are you, what are you doing, Echo? If I remember right. My contraption did not go off as planned. Yeah. I thought you threw it down and stomped on it. Yeah, yeah because did. it was giving away positions. Mm-hmm. And I think you did that in time to not be noticed on account right. of that event. Yes. So at that point, I would... Um, God, I can't even remember my accent. Boston. <laughs> Gotta think Boston. Coffee talk. All right. That's what I went for when I was deciding what this character would be. Totally going for the exit the area and meet up with Cadence. There was some kind of plan in place to 
meet up again, some kind of rally point. And I think that's what that synchronicity was going for. So I'm going to the rally point. Okay. Where is that rally point? Yeah. Where was that rally point, Cadence? <laughs> was that? I thought I was <laughs> like we were going to meet back at, at You at know what? My you car. know what? N- no. Let's meet at my flat. Oh, okay. I was going to say it should be like the Night Owl coffee shop or something. <laughs> well, there there is a coffee shop in my building. So, but ultimately my flat. All right. So Eka just takes off back to the flat. Uh, so go ahead and roll a, a sneak around then, Echo, because you are still in the area there, and these things are sniffing the air. Oh, no. I don't think I have any tags. Do I feel like they're trying to sense my mind and where I'm at? They're trying to smell you out, it seems. Trying to smell me? Looks harmless, maybe? Physical thing. I mean, I can use looks harmless. I'll, I'll use looks But that harmless. means you're seen and they just won't pay any attention to you, right? I mean, that's the idea. Hey, I'm just nobody. I'm, I'm working my way back to my place. I don't know what's going on over here. So I'm just going to go home because things are weird, yo. Just start whistling. Yeah, you know, I mean, strictly <laughs> speaking, you were already out kind of walking down the street casually when this all went down, so. Yeah. Um, it's your best bet is that they will see you and ignore you because you're you're just harmless. I'm just harmless. I I ain't nobody. I'm just doing my thing. Roll sneak around with a power of one. How did I lose my sense of smell? That's COVID. <laughs> Got it. Oh, what did we get? It gets complicated though. Oh. I choose one. Oh. You see them. There, land back on the the street, and you see that they are between you and um, where you think <laughs> Cadence should be, but Cadence apparently is gone, and um, so you're like, okay, we've got to do plan B, which is meet up at my place. Is your place uh, here in the industrial zone, or are you going to have to catch a cab or something? It's actually kind of nearby. It's It's like right on the border. So you're like, okay, got to do that. But then these things are sniffing around. They're, they spend a lot of time sniffing that area where uh, Cadence was parked. And then they, they look around and you see those red eyes turn onto you. And they start toward you. But then one of them turns and goes into the building where... Baz and Ariel were, and as that one does, the other one looks at you for a little bit longer, then turns and goes and follows its comrade. If you choose to sneak away to be successful at this, you're going to have to leave something important behind, Baz and Ariel. Oh, no! Would Echo have seen the, like, dropping off the side of the building and smashing through the window? Uh, yes. I was paying attention. I mean, I gave you the the device, so I was paying attention to what was going on, and there was the communication that created the sound device kerfuffle, as you will. So they would know that Baz is kind of in heavy mode. We established last time that really what you know about one another's powers are that you can see through the mist, that you remember things that the others don't. 
And so this might have been a big surprise as Baz swung down and went in through the window. So I'm either leaving Baz and Ariel behind or I'm being discovered. I will try to distract by being discovered. But right now it looks like they're not going to bother with you. So what do you do? You look too harmless. They don't care. (laughs) Okay, I have a fashioned amplifier that I usually use for my headphones that I'm actually going to um, create a sound distortion through the air, and I'm going to use a move. It sounds to me like you're also trying to change the game here. Yes. So I'm going to need you to roll change the game in order to have this amplifier thing that you want. Okay. I'm going to use a deafening blast. That's part of my siren song, uh, one of my mythos. So you're trying to create a story tag, among other things. Yes. So this isn't going to be the use of it to bring them back to you. You're trying to have this thing that you want so that you can do that. I would recommend you could probably use maybe recording equipment or technical troubleshooting. Oh, company resources, maybe. Sounds pretty good. I wouldn't use deafening blast yet. Because that's what you want to do when you're actually... That brings way too much attention. Well, no, because what you're really trying to do right now is you are trying to have the thing that you want. Okay. So you're, you're trying to change the game. And that's going to give you juice, and you're going to be able to do different things with the juice that you are going with. Uh, right. Based on um, what you choose for this. Oh. And I'd say recording equipment and company so, resources are probably your... So All right, cha- here we change go. the game is literally just to have the thing that you're using to emit right. the deafening blast. Okay. It's creating a story tag of gotcha. this wild and crazy thing that um, Echo was just talking about. This will be with a power of two. Twelve! Twelve, baby! Okay. Guess what? That gives you two juice. This is giving you more than you even needed. That's so, so much juice. It's so much juice. It's like, you've gone beyond orange. You've gone into the mixed juices. <laughs> this is pog territory, baby. Yeah. It's tag. cranberry mofos. This is, this is like strawberry cran banana. Apple. <laughs> <laughs> oh, All please right. not cran apple. Please no. <laughs> yeah, no. Just, just straight up cranberry with some gin in it. All right. Mm. So with Change the Game, you can spend your juice one-to-one. Uh, create a story tag, burn a power tag or a story tag, uh, give or reduce a status, uh, one tier per point of juice. So oh, on a 10 plus, you get a minimum of two juice, and you can also choose to scale up the effect, more targets. So you might want to do that for two targets rather than one. Prolong the effect, make it ongoing, uh, hide the effect, any other improvements you and the MC agree on. I would actually use the juice for two things here, and I merely recommend these because, again, Sojourners, we don't know how to play this game. Give a status of got their attention one to them, something like that, and then scale up the effect to cover both of them, if that makes sense. Distracted. Yeah, and you are trying to distract them, so that makes sense. So um, distracted one and then affect both of them with with that status. Scale up the effect for sure to affect both of them. Mm-hmm. I would like to also... Oh, you know what? Can I go with prolong the effects? Like, okay, 
So yeah, but there Echo, are no effects yet, which would be a status that you would have to give them. Oh, so I need to give the status first. Yeah. Scale up the effect for both targets. So we're giving them a status of distracted one sound good? Yes. And then uh, covering both of them. Okay. Yes. Awesome. They turn away from the door into the warehouse and start toward you, Echo. In the warehouse, Baz, you're about to hit the ground very hard. I need you uh, to face the danger because what happens is when you're about to take danger or status and you are about to take smushed on the floor three. Bad name right there. <laughs> smushed on the floor three. The three has to be part of the name. <laughs> And uh, you need to roll plus power. And if it is 10 plus, you fend off the effect and take no status at all. Seven to nine, you take the status, but with a minus one tier. And on a miss, you take the full status. May I use protect the vulnerable? Mm. Because Ariel is vulnerable, especially in this instance. Okay. <laughs> to make Ariel uh, not smushed on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> immense strength. Okay. Ay ay ay! I don't suppose resistance to pain would help. That would be after I take the status. <laughs> okay, so I've got. Uh, I I would I would say so uh, because okay. you shout the at pain. the floor as you go down. I resist you. <laughs> it is the pain that is going to be the thing that you don't want to take. Yeah, that you don't want to take. Now, here's the thing: because of the circumstances are kind of weird here. Actually, you're wanting to change the game for. Ariel, you're eventually going to want to give her protected whatever status you can manage to give, I should think. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, if that's the way you want to do it, then I feel like we got to split it up so protect the vulnerable would go to to change yeah. the game. Okay. Um which one do you want first? Kind of depends on how this works. If if you're just doing it by smashing into the ground and then just taking it and kind of protecting the vulnerable by, you know, covering uh, you know, by, by being below her when you hit, uh, then that's one thing. But if you're going to try to do something else on the way down, if you're going to try to catch a railing or catch that weird chandelier that's hanging, you know, halfway down through the this warehouse uh, stairwell for some reason, um, or... The warehouse <laughs> yeah. has a lawyer foyer. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> then that's going to be different. So what is it, how is it you see yourself um, resisting this status? Baz would try to set the, the fall conditions so that the damage was minimized, basically. Uh, so he would try and maybe grab something on the way down to reduce the momentum. He would stick a hand out. Uh, well, he would, he would try and land uh, on his feet and then just flex the knees to absorb shock as he goes down and then put out a hand, uh, trying to do that kind of three-point landing with, mm -hmm. you know, an arm <laughs> securing Ariel over his shoulder, who is, by the way, like, rolling her eyes at all of this. Like, <laughs> put me down, you galoot. <laughs> She's like, oh, you are making me fall into a stairwell. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be as far, except that the stairwell includes the warehouse basement. Uh, it is actually only two floors down um, from that level to the uh, to the street, and yet. Well, then it's even weirder that there's a chandelier. And it's a weird place for a chandelier. <laughs> okay, so given that description, then is that uh, one roll or two? I'm gonna say two, 
but it's going to be face danger for you to avoid taking a status and then take the risk for um, her. Okay, so then uh, I'll take off protect the vulnerable for face danger because I'll be reserving that for taking the risk. Okay. Unless you want to pull up her character sheet and roll for Ariel on taking a risk. Nope, I do not, because okay. you're the one doing the taking the risk. Okay, face danger. It's a 10. Nice. nice. So I avoid the effect entirely. You somehow avoid... <laughs> smushed. <laughs> smushed on the, on the floor. Smushed on the floor three. <laughs> smushed on the floor three. All right. Now I need to protect the vulnerable. Can I... St- Still use immense strength on this one, or do I just get the one power tag for protecting Ariel? I'm just, I'm going to have to go with, I think you just would get the one power tag on this one. Okay. Because you're using your immense strength to, yeah. you know, protect yourself, kind of, and, and roll it. In fact, in fact, I think I can pull a weakness tag for you here. Oh, no, don't pull a weakness tag. I got a 10. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yep. Um, I can't anymore. Because we had to change some things. Well, that was must protect others. So if anything, I mean, that wouldn't be a weakness. That would, that would be undoing what I'm supposed to do. Ah, but you chose to protect yourself. <laughs> you told me to roll the other one. <laughs> well, I, you didn't have to go with what I said. I'm just VMC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a 10. All right, great. I've used up all my luck. I, don't make me roll anymore. <laughs> you do it. Yeah, so just three-point landing over the shoulder, like, like cinematic look toward the camera, like, <laughs> <laughs> Nice. And then, what, what do you do after that? You've landed beautifully. It's, we got to get out of here, so I guess I run up the stairs to the ground floor to the exit and kick the door open. You are about to kick the door open when you see through the glass of the, uh, of the window on the door, you see... Two of these creatures, these desiccated ones, standing there, they look toward the door as if they're coming this way, but then they turn as, what happens, Echo? What is it that draws their attention away? It's actually a sound that's very specific. It's a high-pitched whine that is emitted from these speakers that I have, that I transform my headphones into the projected distortion vibe across the city as as far as it can as as far as it can go which you know is only a couple of blocks but it's enough to get the attention of these guys and i just kind of drop it where it was and kind of just start walking away baz you hear this weird sound and then you see them take off down the street Do I see Echo as well? Do I know that they've turned toward Echo? As you open the door some, yes, you see, uh, you don't see um, Cadence and the Bronco anywhere, (laughs) because it's like this, you did too good. (laughs) You are hidden in plain sight four. (laughs) We've forgotten who Cadence is. (laughs) Yeah. Who's Cadence? I'm so frustrated that, like, I just wanted to provide someplace safe where they could come hide in. I didn't realize I was going to work on them, too. Um, I didn't mean to remove myself from the scene. (laughs) Bye, guys. I'm in a different game. (laughs) All you have to do to change this, Cadence, is just put it into gear and drive a foot. And suddenly (laughs) you will have, you'll lose ghostly car, but 
you'll be visible again. Yeah, and I also I, as a negative, you'll be visible again. <laughs> well, no, I I want uh well, actually how far are the the desiccated ones uh from from me which direction are they facing? They're beginning to lope down the street is the best way to describe their movements. Uh even though they're wearing these motorcycle clothes, they've now become almost uh bestial. They're mm-hmm. they're on um every third or fourth step, their hands will hit the sidewalk as they propel themselves forward. Well, I I hate that. The door would like bust open at that point if Baz knows that uh that Echo is being followed by these things. So like they're loping, the door goes and then Baz with Ariel over his shoulder comes <laughs> bursting out of the warehouse. Uh yeah, and you know, I mean, uh so Echo also made this loud sound, so the time for stealth obviously is over. I'm going to um Roar the car into life and uh, switch the lights on and uh, drive up close to where oh, Baz and Ariel. Please run them over. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, I will. Do it. I'm gonna Do just it. go from a standing start and uh, try and hit these 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 dudes. You're looking the other way, Baz, but you hear a revving like really close, and then there's the Bronco <laughs> <laughs> in a parking spot you Boom. thought was empty. <laughs> it was just but scenery. Love it. Maybe it was just the shadows. <laughs> the adrenaline from your three-story, your three-story fall. Yeah, tunnel vision is definitely in effect. He's he's like, all right, I'm going to kick these things in the butt. <laughs> Echo, uh, these things are loping your direction. You dropped the device, but what are you doing? So they're not focused on the device, they're focused on me? Well, they're a little distracted by it. I'd say they're distracted one. Which is what they are, because of the status you gave them. <laughs> is this a moment to bring my mythos into play? Maybe. Do you want to do something you've never done before, or something you have done before? So keep in mind, everybody, a bit of a rules thing um, as we're going through and doing stuff. You can always stop holding back. If you want to use something with your powers that isn't on your tag, but is something, you know, very mythosy for you, you think? that uh, comes out of what you're doing or what you've been able to do in the past a little bit, but you use your powers in a new and never-before-seen way or scale. But there are costs uh, for that. But you're probably not trying to do that. You're probably trying to do something maybe with what you've already got, maybe Deafening Blast. Maybe like up the distraction so that they don't evade a car and a Baz. I run them over um, and then Baz tramples them into the pavement. Okay, so Echo at this point, I've got their attention. Want to completely confuse them and also at the same time try to get the F out of Dodge, if you know what I'm talking about. I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. What is yeah, it you're actually trying to do? Yeah, Dodge suck, man. Okay, uh, like, just create, like, uh, a confusing, extreme... Okay. Disorientation? Collecting thoughts. Yes. Uh, there's several on the street. They're blowing around with some of the other trash and debris. Wait, if what? If you wish to grab the thoughts, then oh. <laughs> um, you can shove them into your mind and uh, see what you come up with. I mean, in City of Mist, that's probably true. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably true, yeah. <laughs> with a tiny mic that he still has on his person that connects with the device that he planted previously that was causing the distraction, he is going to 
create this pitch that ultimately creates a, a, a confusion around a certain area. This is what I'm trying to do. Um, and I'm just going to let go at this point because at, I, both Baz and Cadence have outed themselves. And I tried to distract, but it wasn't working. I want to protect them as best I can to make sure and hold that attention. And I'm going to create this aura of sound that affects them and befuddles them and doesn't and, and just completely destroys any direction of where they're going. You stop holding back. You are using your mythos power, that song boiling up from within you that always wants to come out, that always wants to be freed, that you have kept buried because of your self-doubts and your day-to-day mundane life. When you roll Stop Holding Back, you roll with your logos, not with any tags or anything. You roll plus the number of logos that you have. You have three. I have to choose what this uh, sacrifice level will be so that you can back out of it if you so desire. So this is going to be, Echo, I don't think it's a no return level thing. I mean, you're not, you know, it's not that big. It's not an ultimate sacrifice here, but I'm going to say it's significant. This is a, a significant change for you to use this in this, in this way. So uh, on a seven to nine, you'll be marking fade on your mythos, and you would burn all of your power tags on the theme. On a 10 plus, you will mark fade uh, on a theme. Those are the prices that you will pay for this. Um, I mean, that's the best that can happen is you will just mark fade on your siren song. Okay. But I get the plus three. But you get plus three. So roll, stop holding back. Ten. Hell yeah. On a ten plus, you don't burn all of your tags uh, on that that theme card. You just mark fade. I do mark a fade. Okay. Right. On the theme that you used, right? It sounded like we were we were saying that that ought to be mythos. That it'd be like if he's afraid, basically, if like this massive unleashing of power. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so it, you know, does it have this, to be the mythos tag? It does. It has to be the one you used. Okay. I say, Sojourners, I don't know how to play this game. <laughs> um, <laughs> I say, I say it, I say it, I say it, but I don't, don't know, know how to play this game. <laughs> so yeah, so you mark a fade on that because now you're it kind of scares you this. So this boils up from you. What does this feel like? What, what is, I mean, you had this idea maybe that you would um, use the microphone and yell into it or something and it would distract them in some way. But instead, this happens. This, this power comes out of you. Tell me, tell me about this. This is a big thing. This is a big deal. I can't describe it other than like it's some kind of primal instinct, like some kind of energy, this power that emanates from deep within. I touched it the first time when I saw the bodies falling from the sky, and all I wanted to do was try and heal everybody and save everybody. But at the same time, I had this, like, this ferocity, this, this anger at, at the destruction of all these people. And 
it created this this sound wave that emanated from me like a crack of thunder without lightning that just kind of like flattened all the grass around me um and all of the water seemed to that was falling from the sky that day seemed to like spread away from me for a moment before crashing back in it's it's one of those moments where it's just like there's a sound explosion without tone just an impact to the air does this break windows set off car alarms it can if if they're if they're near enough to me no no i mean does it right now does it right now um anything within probably at this point because of the unrestrained release of this and just testing the power i'd probably say within 50 feet uh in a in a in a radius Cadence, the Bronco rocks a bit, but <laughs> but the windows hold. Okay. Break out your contemporary now characters, if you would be so kind. Oh, God. Really? <sighs> Shit. Stop holding back has triggered a thing. Oh, a thing. <laughs> Sojourners, we now take you somewhere else in time and space and dimensions. The the picture you see on your screen right now is no longer under your control. It's under mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Dr. Grace, LJ, yes. you step through that portal created by Lazarus Kane. You see beyond it that city, that city shrouded in fogs and rain. And beyond that, you see that tower that creation of somehow ominous horror that lies beyond this scene of this city. But even as you pass through the gate, you feel your bodies... You've never experienced this directly before. Not as directly as this. Always before, when you have gone into the book worlds, it is a sharp transition. And one you don't even remember most of the time until you have gone back into the contemporary now, back into Macon, Missouri. It is a a moment of you are there with Haven creating the runes needed, and then you are somebody else, and you don't know yourselves until much later. This is different. You are incorporeal. You have no body. You only have mind and awareness of self and of the city below you. You aren't there, but you are. You're not ghosts, but you are something else. You sense others around you. Uh, you don't know who they are, but you can sense other essences around you. Maybe Dr. Grace, maybe it's LJ. LJ, maybe it's Dr. Grace. Those two are closely bound in history and in emotion, and you feel like maybe, maybe, but there are others um, around as well. You sense them in various levels of power, almost. You see below you four bright lights glowing in the city. It looks like the industrial part of the city. 
it looks like the warehouse district as you are almost pulled toward these lights. You see other lights scattered all around the city. They are not as bright as these. You feel yourself almost drawn toward them, but those other essences around you are starting to scatter, to go away, to go elsewhere. You can reach out and grab them and bring them with you if you want some of them. Do you attempt to do so, LJ? Oh, yeah, man. Totally. I'm always looking for backup and saving as many people as I can, man. Then I need you to act under pressure. Oh, I, now, okay. Now, wait, Dr. Grace, you sense this happening. You sense this as well. Do you wish to aid? Do you wish to help? Do you wish to try to draw more of these with you to keep them together? These are just the other essences that I've sensed in the air around us. Yes. I don't know whether I trust them yet, but if I can tell which one is LJ, I will attempt to cling to that one. I'm not going to count that as a help, LJ, so it's just going to be your regular act under pressure. I'm going with my bone dice on this one. <laughs> nice. For narrative purposes, I need you not to roll a six or below. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a uh, ten total. Nice. All right. You get a hold of, of one of these essences. Then there is another. Another that comes later than the others. There's, there's three or four, maybe five, that scatter off into the city. You see them heading toward different lights. But there is one that almost seems to appear after you have come into this space. And it's so powerful that you don't have any doubt as to who it is. I try to grab that one. Somehow, some way, Haven Harrow has followed you into the darkness. Yes, so, Dr. Grace, act under pressure. Oh, heck. Uh, remember how to manually type dice rolls into roll 20. You can always burn a luck, right? It's true. Oh, I rolled a 12, though, that. so 12. I don't think yes. I need to. What? Nice. And you grab that one. Nice. Then you are whirling, whirling, whirling down and down, down into the city, down past the clouds, down past the rain, down past forms that you almost see, almost sense surrounding the city itself, as if the city has nothing outside of it but these massive entities watching. And you plunge down and down faster and faster and faster, and then you impact silently, without pain, without anything, into these people, people who had lives, people who had um, hopes and dreams and who had plans and purpose. And you are fully aware of yourselves inside of these bodies. You are disoriented. You cannot get a hold on the body. You can't make it do at the moment what you want it to do. You can't move the arms. You can't move the head. But you know that you can speak. Eric, what do you say, please give us the accent, in your head? Cadence, in your head, you hear a voice. What? <laughs> the voice of Sloshy says. <laughs> now, this is a shape I did not choose. Which is so effing true. <laughs> 
This is why you're supposed to leave your mic on, Jesse. You can't just say what no. into silence. No, my mic is on. <laughs> He's just trained. Jesse has way better mic discipline than me. All right. LJ, what do you say as you are in the body that you are in? Which body am I in? What do you say? Oh, man. This doesn't seem right. Baz hears in his head. (laughs) (laughs) Baz just nods. (laughs) And so that leaves, Dr. Grace, what do you say into the head of the body that you are in? That of Echo. This wasn't what I was expecting, somehow. Cadence, Baz, and Echo, please take as a status... Voice in my head, too. Oh, my Great. <laughs> and we'll find out, we'll find out what happens next on the, the Gothic, Gothic Podcast. My caps lock was on. Voice in my head. Voice in my head, too. The Gothic Podcast is a horror and humor actual play audio drama produced by C. Patrick Nagel and Goblin Brook Manor, LLC, starring C. Patrick Nagel, Sharon Gallery Lafournaise, Jesse Baldwin, Eric Halbert, and me, Kirsten Valerie. Our logo was designed by Jared George Art, and our theme music is by Zoe Hovland. We stay afloat thanks to you, so if you can, please support us on Patreon and follow, like, and review us on iTunes and all our social media platforms. Thanks for joining us in the dark, Sojourners. Mostly going with um, uh, Dead of Night rules, where <laughs> you right. can't go two characters in the same. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's going to be so hard if we uh, combine several Welcome games to systems season five, we, don't, baby. <laughs> we don't know how to do. <laughs>